This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Dylan, how you doing? I'm doing great. Nice to see you, Mark. It's been a while. I think springtime we chatted, did a little thing on uh, mental health week there together. And and then, man, summer flew by, fall's flying by. And How's your season going? You getting out? I'm having a I'm having a great time. I'm getting out lots. I didn't get out as much for the elk archery season as I wanted, just because I was going to be alone out there. Um, so my kids uh, were able to come out for like the first four days, and I just I didn't stay out there for the next week in the mountains, grizzly country, by myself, trying to get an elk. It just wasn't wasn't a good thing to do. So a that was work. a little yeah. bit shorter, but. Yeah. yeah. Elk's a lot of work for a solo mission. You got to really be, yeah. Ideally, if you can call them yeah, to a road, maybe you can, you can do it, but yeah. It just, and it never, never works that way. And then lots of, lots of bird hunting. Cause I got a bird dog now. So grouse and, and, uh, you know, going up high doing blue grouse hunting, um, ducks, geese, been to Alberta for gray partridges, probably going back for sharp tails. So I'm having fun. I'm cool. having fun. And you, you look like you're having a good season. Yeah, it's been awesome. Yeah, we actually just walked in the door. We had a little, Mickey and I just snuck out of the city for a, a urban blacktail hunt, you can call it. So we're about an hour and a half from, so I got a picture actually of like loading my e-bike and my firearm and my, my binos, like walking like on commercial drive, basically, where we're living. And uh yeah, quite quite a just position where we were today for the day, like chasing black tails around these incredibly steep mountains and uh, still able to get back in time to make dinner and join you for a quick podcast. And we got mule deer balls in the oven and uh, yeah, I'll have a glass of red wine and yeah, like pretty good, man. I mean, I've always, there's always been kind of this thing where us that live you know, outside the lower mainland, it's just like, man, you just go out your back door and you can, you can hunt and we got to drive, you know, all this way to go hunting if you live on the lower mainland. So that's super exciting for you to have something that's 
like literally out your back door as well. Like you can do a day or an evening hunt and come home. That's, that's pretty cool. It's pretty special. And I, I it's, it's a tricky hunt and, and it's not like, you know, I would say that if, if someone was like, actually want to kill a deer, I'd say like, you know, get in your vehicle and spend the time and, you know, go, go out somewhere where there's a higher deer population. But, you know, if you work at it, you can find little pockets of where deer like to live. And if you can find a spot that other guys and other folks already haven't, you know, got into, like then there, you know, it could be a lot of fun and we've had success, um, you know, poking around and some of these, they're, they're tough hunts, but we always see deer and that's fun. And we, we always see bucks actually. So, um, yeah, like not, not, this is fun, but yeah, we're, we're feeling lucky. Like we're, we're also on the sunshine coast. Now we have a little place in the city, which we come and go from, but our main home was on the sunshine coast and very much feeling that, that good fortune of being able to like step outside and, and yeah, procure whether it's a black bear or, or a black tailed deer or go out front of the house and get into prawns and, fish and for that we're so fortunate so yeah living the dream for sure but um yeah yeah no things have been good it's been a great awesome. season awesome yeah. been getting out no good, some- good to hear so folks uh this is dylan Ayers. he is the brand eat wild and i've known you for five six years as long as what i've been in the podcast scene tell folks about eat wild what's your mission we're just Trying to make hunting more accessible for folks who may not come from a traditional hunting family. So trying to reduce barriers, make make the hunting space a bit more welcoming, a bit more inclusive, uh, and trying to provide mentorship to folks along the way to, yeah, like I said, reduce barriers and, and um, have a bit of fun and ultimately be successful. And we do that through a series of workshops, courses. We've been kind of doing a bunch of online uh courses as of late and we have a podcast as well it's all about learning how to hunt and we do our best to host events and workshops that build community here in the city and then just try to reach out and create community with you know folks like you mark and and others who are doing good stuff and and um yeah it's been a fun little project because it's uh lots lots of folks have been along for the ride and it's great to see see those folks uh i actually got a good story for you mark i i i got so one of my one of my little buddies Wyatt he's 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 I, I started hunting with him when he was nine he's a son of a, a good friend of mine and um he's now 13 maybe 14 maybe 13 and he's deadly he's he's killed at least a couple deer every year and he's been just just a, just a, he's just so into it so passionate just like sucking up every little bit of you know information that he can around hunting camp well it was so cool he sent me pictures of he mentored one of his buddies on a mule deer hunt this past weekend and uh, there's some great shots. He took, he took so him and his the, the two dads, and then him and this his his little his buddy that was a couple years older than him, and he and they and his buddy got his first mule deer, and then there's there's Wyatt helped you know showed him how to you know field dress the deer, dried the deer out, showed him how to skin it, got it all the all the all the bits and uh, some great footage of that. But it's just just cool to see that you know just super cool. Oh, that's that's an amazing story. Like when you know somebody that young has, has been mentored and like grasp that role and, and the reward of putting someone else first like that. That's huge. That's, that is a very cool, cool story. Yeah. That was, that was just came in yesterday. It's a, it's a fun time of year though. Hey, you must make lots of connections with folks and, and you see people are sending in their, their success, their, their stories of success this time of year. It's kind of fun. It's uh 
there's a, a a fellow that's been following us since the beginning, and and he messaged me a, a while back, and he said, I uh, I f- I finally got my first big game animal, uh, a black bear, and he's gonna get the high tanned and stuff, and he goes, I've been at this for nine years, and I'm like, that's a story, like like we'll have have him on the show, but can you just imagine? like a new hunter and the perseverance for nine years and get your first, like you just, and sticking with it. So lots of great stories out there. I just, I, I don't know. I just, and I think you do too. You just feed off of those when, when you see other people just light up. So tell us a bit more specifically, kind of like some of the things that Eat Wild does, like you help people get off the ground with hunting more than just the hunting course. Like I know you're instructor for the hunter training course, but you go above and beyond that in so many ways. Maybe give folks kind of a snippet of, of like the types of things that you do that define what Eat Wild's doing. Sure. Sure. Thanks. Thanks, Mark. Well, of course we do that. that to, in, order, in order to hunt, you have to have your, your, both your hunting license and your firearms license. And so we offer both of those, but you know, I, I would think that after you've completed those courses, you, you, the first thing you should ask yourself is, gosh, what's next? Like, well, wh- where do I go next? And and so that's where we're trying to fill the gap is to try and, you know, support people on, and then sort of what those next steps would be. So well, we have a very popular workshop. We do a butchering workshop uh, probably once a month in Vancouver. And uh, we basically show people how to break an animal down. We, t- we, we walk through the process of, you know, you're going to walk up to an animal at some point uh, that's going to be dead on the ground and you're going to be pretty overwhelmed and you're not sure what to do. And you're going to have this incredible desire to treat this thing with total respect and you just don't want to screw it up. So like, you're almost like, I, I hear people always say like they're almost paralyzed by fear of screwing up this gift that's been given to them. And, and so we, we show folks how to, you know, how to gut it. Well, in that workshop, we, we talk about how, how, how to gut an animal the best we can, given the circumstances that we're in. And then we take an animal and we break it down into what I would say backpack size pieces. So boning an animal out. And then we show folks how to butcher it. If so to get the most out of your deer, we do that over, over the course of an evening and folks, so we're usually in a restaurant, friends of ours have a restaurant and have a beer and hang out and talk but how to do all this stuff. So that, that's an easy one. We also do like a, like a hands-on three-day how to hunt workshop that we host in the interior at our friend's ranch and in deer country there. Um, and um, yeah, show folks like I have a series of learning modules. We surround people with, with mentors that, you know, have hunted their whole life that have a ton of knowledge to share. And uh, we feed folks amazing, you know, wild food inspired meals with our, our, our chef Jody Peck from wild Northern way. She's amazing. And, just really give people the feel of both the hunting camp, but also just try to create a really welcoming and inclusive hunting environment to share knowledge and, and, and to learn. And um, we do that. And and it's the coolest part about that workshop is that we usually get like 12 to 14 folks and everybody's at the same stage of the learning journey. And they, and they all have something in common, which is like they recognize how hard hunting is, number one, and they're willing to invest in learning, which is like they, they acknowledge it's going to be hard on this journey. So there's actually quite a bit in common with individuals who are like willing to take those steps to learn. And, and so it creates a cohort every, every, every season we do it. And, and every time we come out of that workshop, we have a, uh, a Facebook group or a WhatsApp group, and we have this ongoing chat of these folks who are like staying connected, planning hunts together, and then kind of getting on their way. And they, 
that I think is like, that's the thing that people want most is like, how do I meet other like-minded folks who I can go on this journey with and learn? So that's another, that's an example of how we create that. We, we try to do that as well through other fun. We do like a LEH workshop every year. We bring people together. It's a, it's more of a, a fundraiser event and we do cooking workshops here in Vancouver, but in any excuse to get folks together. And the LEH one is like teaching people about British Columbia's permit system, like how to get the draws, uh, how the odds work, how do you, how do you put in for it? Uh, if you're picking an area like, you know, Hey, I never been there before, but I want to apply for a Roosevelt elk tag. I know you're like, okay, here's some things you need to look at. Yeah. Here's right? the you need to look at. Yeah, don't, don't. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not all as easy as what it looks on, on, on yeah. those maps. So, yeah, yeah, that, like, that one's cool. That's a good one. Yeah, it's fun. And it's tons of fun. I, I, you, you should come hang out with us for one of those. It'll be a good time. We'll get you on, uh, I, get you to chime in on it. Yeah, it's a good time. And, uh, but yeah, that, I mean, there's there's so many knowledge points of honey like just to get like you can do these deep dives anywhere right and 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 i mean a lot of the stuff we talk about on podcasts and stuff but it's not necessarily focused on helping people learn and and retaining knowledge and then being able to translate that down the road or even be able to go back to that and, and kind of pull that knowledge out so we're we're doing that as well with our like our online courses as sort of a deep dive into the different species of how, you know, particularly for the focus on hunting here in BC, like how do you get started? When do you hunt? When's the best time to hunt? Where, what you should be looking for, what should you be looking for? Um, you know, what techniques did you try out initially and, and kind of give people a path to begin and maybe a path to kind of accelerate and go forward with as well. So yeah, all that. And then yeah, we just launched bow hunting workshop. That was fun. We teamed up with um, Adam Foss, who's a big part of the conservation community here in BC. And he's a, a tremendous bow hunter and just an all around good guy. And, um, we've been doing, we'll do, we'll do a bow hunting workshop every year and occasionally we'll do a pack craft hunting workshop. Just, just, just fun stuff. Whatever I'm into, I'll, maybe I'll do an e-biking hunting workshop. Right? I, just, I just bought an e-bike. So we're thinking about that next. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's wow. It's just, um, it, it's, it's so great to have someone like yourself that's filling that gap. Um, because I, I remember I talked to a couple of young folks. I think I, they were on the, our podcast, the Hunter Conservationist podcast, like one of the first few episodes and they were like brand new to hunting, didn't grow up in hunting families. And I was asking them questions like what from a new hunter's perspective. And the, the hunter training course was like, it taught them, you know, how to be safe and how to find stuff in the regulations. Good luck. And, and they said they had, they started hunting and, and kind of sort of learned the hard way and like researching on their own, what wind meant. They're like, why didn't they teach us about wind and the direction and animals smelling and running away and stuff and like so elementary, but you know, they went into the hunting course thinking, you know, Hey, I'm going to learn how to hunt. And it's like, no, you learn how to not hurt yourself or your hunting partner and not break the law. That's it. That's a good so, start though. So that's a great start. I mean, that's good. It, let's, it's let's all start there. Start. <laughs> it's a great start. And then, and then you're like, okay, these, these folks need to get more in order to stay in hunting. So I got, I have to ask you this, this is a really central part of what, what I want to hear from you is why are you putting other people first? 
like, like you could just go and hunt and you do, you, you get a lot of hunting in for yourself every year and you share what you gain from those hunts with people, but you could just, just go about doing that and not have to like put so much of yourself, time, energy, and effort into helping other people get into this lifestyle. Where's Dylan's heart on that topic? You're putting other people's path first. Well, well, well first off, it's not a lifestyle. It, it, it's a way of life. I think it's important to acknowledge that because for me, it's, it's, it's a way of life for me. And, and, and it's central to, you know, my heritage and who I am is to be able to to hunt and gather and fish. It's, it's, it's essential. And it goes back um, to my heritage, my, my Métis heritage and, and, and beyond. And, but I, I, I just, I get so much out of like, I love to hunt and I, and I love to, feed people and that's fun and I love to share meals with, with friends and but I also just love to like connect with other hunters and talk about hunting and 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 learn about where they've hunted and 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 what's worked for them and and I guess I just like I just kind of always thinking about yeah gathering all this knowledge because it's just so it's just I, I find it fascinating but then I also realize that, like you know, I I'm I'm very fortunate to have a lot of knowledge or and and know kind of how to get started and and have a passion for connecting with people. But I I want more people to experience this way of life because I think it's it's such an incredibly valuable way of life. And and the reality is, as you know, Mark, in the work you do, like the more people who hunt and fish and are connected to that, uh, then the better chance that we have to sustain our way of life. Because if we don't share this and 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 teach folks how to do this ethically and ultimately successfully and safely and all those things like and legally um then there won't be this way of life and i don't want my way of life taken away from me so at the center of it yes I, i'm hugely selfish because i just i just want to be able to do this for the rest of my life and and enjoy it and 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 live this 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 way but it i sure have a lot of fun along the way networking with folks building knowledge and then sharing knowledge and and being part of a community that's it's enriching other people's lives and and ultimately i think it we're in a better place if more people hunt and fish and connect with nature and connect with their food and in, in a in a in a meaningful way in a deep way that i think that hunting and, and fishing and foraging allows you to do so yeah pretty easy one for me doesn't feel like work. Oh, yeah no that's that's cool and in, i i know f- for myself, uh, that when somebody becomes a hunter and they like, they get it. Like, they're just like, Oh my God, I I love this thing. And they're, they're, they're in, you know, with, with all four feet, we have also got another person who's going to spend so much time in the outdoors learning everything about these animals, their habits, their behaviors, when their environment changes, how are they changing the ups and downs? Then we have another person that cares about what's happening out there to, to wildlife and wildlife habitat. Even if it's like, you know, I'm hunting deer, but it's like, I've seen a big change in this area uh, of the woodpeckers 
you know, from when the fire burned to when I came back next year and they'd salvage log, I saw these huge differences. Like, hang on a second here, folks. Like there's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not just the big rams and the big bulls that, that hunters advocate for it. It's for everything out there. And, and I think, um, and I think our friend Jesse Zeman has always said this. If, if he's, he's questioned by other people, it's like, well, why did, why do you have to use hunting to be that thing to care about wildlife and habitat? And Jesse always said, why does it matter as long as they care and they're involved and they're doing something for it? If that's the thing that brings people into the field, then let's just embrace that. So no, very, very cool. Now, what are your thoughts around, I don't know if you follow too much down in the U S but the, the sort of the recruit, uh, what is it? The three R's, the recruit, recruit, retain and yeah, retain and then re reinvigorate or it's like get the old people back into hunting Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Right. I can't remember what that, what that R was. It, it's hugely controversial in the States and there's, there's groups and platforms that are starting to develop to, to really, um, I guess, slam and shame the organizations that are, are trying to recruit, uh, people into hunting. And then they have, you know, stuff that they, that they, you know, sell and support and brands. So the meat eater is, you know, the big one, they've been a huge, model of recruiting people, new hunters, teaching them all this stuff. And then now they're being slammed going like, Hey, there's so many people out West trying to hunt elk and the parking lots are full. And so they're kind of like against recruitment. What are your thoughts around? I personally, I don't think we have that issue in Canada. Granted they do in the States, but how do you, how do you look at that and, and say, I got into hunting, even if it was through my family or not, but why should we not help more people get into this? Like what, what's your philosophy? I get the odd message. Cause I, I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty open about just on the podcast and stuff. I mean, I'm not totally, I mean, I, I do my best not to be like, we're hunting here and this is why we're hunting. I, I tell people why we're hunting there and what we're looking for and how we're doing it to the extent that if you're following along, you might figure it out and, kind of pinpoint where we are. And I, and I think a few people have kind of figured that out and they, and they, and they've, they've commented on it, called me out on it and said, Hey, you're sharing too much. This is my spot or whatever. And, and fair enough. And I, and I do, I, I do, I don't want to, you know, blow up someone's spot because I have a, a slightly larger reach with, uh, with, with eat wild. But, um, but I also think that I think, I think it's short-sighted just to think that it'd be, if there's more interest in hunting, I mean, my, my freezer's full. My freezer's been full for, since I was my whole life. Like it's not, it's not, it's, that's not a problem. Like, like I was hunting today. I looked at a buck. I was like, I can't shoot that buck because if I did, I have to, I'll, I'll give, I, I have to pack it off this mountain in a very difficult, difficult, difficult pack. And then I'm going to give it away, which I, I don't, I don't mind giving it away. It's just that I don't need to beat, I literally put myself at risk of injury just to, I mean, I, like, like, if you're a hunter and you've been doing it a long time, then you, you probably are going to be in a position of abundance. And I don't know. I, I just feel like it's it's just a bit selfish to be like saying that there's not enough space for everybody. There, there, there's a lot more room at the table. And, and to be honest, there's a whole lot of people that have been at the table for a long time eating 
that could step back and give up a seat to somebody else and let them have an opportunity to enjoy this and and learn about this this way of life and 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 that's a whole you know when you talk about diversity and inclusion and, and really finding ways to do that and you know if you're criticizing you know opening up the door a bit then you're just on the wrong path because I don't, I don't think that's that's not going to make us stronger that's not going to be good for wildlife that's not going to be good for the community um yeah i don't i don't know i mean there are, there's lots of mechanisms for us to manage um hunting pressure and, and i love the leh system because for me it, you know i go moose hunting every five years if i get a draw in a specific area because you know I, I, if i go moose hunting i'd like to, i'd like to have success i don't want to compete with other moose hunters necessarily and so i take my turn i get my ticket every you know whenever i get drawn and similarly that's the same for elk in my community i haven't been you know i haven't been drawn for elk but you know like one of these years i might get one and I don't have to deal with a credible amount of hunting pressure when I do get that once in a lifetime elk hunting opportunity. So I think we have tools and, and I think, you know, the six point season is another tool that offers a lot of opportunity to hunt. And, you know, if you get, a, if you get an elk every few years, fantastic. And, um, but yeah, there, there's lots of tools and I think we're just, yeah, I think we're on the wrong path if we're shutting down the door of, of sharing the table with other people. Yeah. No, that's good. That's a good philosophy. I, I've never bought into the ideology that is out there that if you were born into a hunting family and it's your grandfather and uncles and grandmothers and mom and dad and stuff that brought you in, you know, through a heritage of a hunting family, that that's somehow okay. But if it's your neighbor or a friend or somebody that signed up for a course and you're moving them, you know, through the process of becoming a hunter and learning about it, that somehow that, and, and even if there's some monetary gain associated with, you know, teaching the course and the workshops and stuff, I, I don't see that as being less moral than the root of those of us that grew up in a multi-generation hunting family. So, and those are some arguments I see coming out of the U S about the, mm. the criticism of kind of the R three model. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think that's a good philosophy. It's like, we, we need to build people. We need to have the next generation like moving forward. That's confident and passionate, um, the inclusion. And then we have tools to deal with, you know, the few places that end up getting a little, a little bit crowded. So in all your years of teaching and mentoring and taking first time hunters out, what is the key piece of advice you would leave with folks to say, if you're going to make the transition of hunting from yourself to mentoring others, this is what you should work on, change, become, what, what's that? What is a key thing? So there's something you mentioned earlier about your buddy that, you know, that, that contact that spent nine years trying to be successful for their first big game animal. And I think that's actually not far from the average um, success rate. So the average, so I, I think on some, somewhere along the lines of like the average mule deer hunter spends 45 days a season to get a deer so like it's this something along those lines is it's a 45 day per dead deer for hunter participation now those are stats taken across the board of all hunters and uh it's gonna be 30 35 for a white-tailed deer and 75 for for uh an elk here in bc so the average person hunts for 75 days to kill it 
at elk or um which is it's a lot it's a lot but then again if you go you know a lot of folks will go to redende elk hunts for seven years and after seven years they get a, a you know beauty six point bull but that's actually pretty probably fairly common you know um now I think those stats. I, I I'd be curious to dig into those stats and figure out how many of those days are people setting up camp and you know sleeping in and having coffees and all that kind of stuff. Like I, what I call hunting are the days that I'm that I'm up and pounding the hill and and that's what I call a hunting day. But that all said, it, you know that doesn't really matter either because you know you don't necessarily have to work that hard to to get an animal. But um, but anyway, to, to pass on, I think on average, like we used to do this thing called the the first buck banquet and we invited anybody that take that has gone through a hunter, one of our hunter courses, right. And it's part of the, well, part of the, well, community, we have more for dinner and everybody would bring, uh, uh, sorry, I should clarify anybody that's had their first successful hunt of a big game animal was, it was invited to come for our, 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 the, the first buck banquet and whether it's a buck or we've had people with caribou and moose and all the kind of good stuff. And they'd bring a little dish, uh, that they, that they made up and we'd have kind of a potluck style long table dinner and, and everybody would, we'd share this amazing meal and, and, uh, and then everybody would take their, a turn, uh, talk, telling their first hunt story in this very supportive group and, uh, everybody go around and it was a really, a really cool thing. And we, we haven't done it since the COVID, this is the pandemic and we'll find a way to find our way back to it here eventually. But it's just a really cool way to you know, celebrate that success. But also the thing that came out of it is that there's very, very few people at the table that had hunted for one, two or three seasons. Most people had hunted for three, four, five, six, seven seasons, and they'd finally got their seat at the first buck banquet. So it's, it's very common that that process takes a long time. And so I think the first thing is to say to people, Hey, let's be patient. Cause it takes a long time to figure a couple things out that you can replicate to have success hunting for me is all about rep i replicate the same thing to have success so today i was where i was looking at deer today i stood in that same spot two years ago and said hmm, this is a good spot i should come back here and i marked it in my in my gps and and wrote a note down to say hey good good view corridors hunt huntable sneak sneak into this spot hunt it right so i come back there last year i sneak into that spot sure enough there's a buck there killed the buck Two years later, sneaking into that same spot with that information. There's a group of four does hanging out there. Had I had some more time, probably a good spot to stick around for another few hours, right? Because you know there's going to be a buck there. But that type of information that took me that took me well. It also got a bit a bit of a hot tip from your 86 year old hunting mentor that said go hunt here in this area, and then I go and figure it out. And then I hike around on the side of the mountain until I find a spot that I can hunt, which takes me two or three years. Like, but all that takes time. And but now I can go back there every year and probably kill a deer if I put a couple of days in there. But that took my hunting mentor Larry a lifetime to figure that out. And and then he shared that spot with me because he can't hike into that spot anymore. So he finally gave it up to me. And then now I can go in there and probably have successful harvest. So that all said, if you figuring out those little bits of information that you can replicate takes a long time and you can get those through knowledge sharing for sure. But even if someone tells you a good spot, you still got to go figure it out. You still got to get on the ground and you still got to work it until you figure out exactly how it's going to work, depending on how the wind's working. But if you do this long enough, you'll piece together three or four or five or six little things. And maybe those are over different spots that you can replicate and have successful hunts over time. 
and then you can have consistent success. But it might take you seven years to get to those, to have enough of those things in your in your quiver of arrows, so to speak, to to be a successful hunter year over year. It takes time, so be patient. And it takes time. the The other thing I, 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 you know, I say to people for sure is like, don't think you're going to go hunt for two days and be like, I'm going to go for a weekend. I'm going to go drive up to the deer country and spend two days. I'm going to get my mule deer, come back, and it's going to be great. Well, yeah, that maybe that happens. That that could happen if you have that quiver of arrows in a, in a particular area that you can go. I can try these five things when you're there over the course of the weekend, and maybe it works out. But realistically, give yourself 10 days. Every hunt I go on, I go for 10 days. Um, well, nine days. I usually leave Friday night. I come back the following Sunday. I, I do my best to get the most out of every day. But over the course of those nine days, like I'm going to learn something every day. And I'm going to wait for the weather conditions to cooperate. I'm going to wait for the deer to cooperate. And then on one of those days, somewhere along the way, it's all going to work out for me. And I'll, and I'll have success or at the very least I'll learn a ton of stuff in those nine days and put a bunch of quivers in my, you know, and uh, a bunch of arrows in my quiver for, for the next time I go put some time in. So hunt for a long time, be patient, but eventually you'll be able to be more successful as you replicate over time. Oh, that's awesome. I, uh, I know a few of those people that can just like, I've only got like just this day, this week, and they can whip out and get something. One of them is my brother-in-law and it drives me freaking nuts because I'm putting in these hours and he's just like really busy. He's a brewmaster at a restaurant and stuff now. And then he just goes out and like gets a five point buck or mule deer buck. And he says, I'll back, you know, done. That's all I, I got. I got my meat for the year, <laughs> but he was also, he was also a guide and an outfitter uh, for like his whole life, his father owned that territory. He still hunts in his same territory, even though he sold it now. Mm -hmm. And it's so he's just like, okay, um, I want to go get a mule there. Uh, okay. This is where the snow line is. Nope. Still got to wait. Nope. Still got to wait. Nope. Still got to wait. Okay. Now I'm going out. I'm going to this spot. The bucks will be there. And then you see him that evening and he's like, oh yeah, no, I got a four point buck in the back. <laughs> it's like <laughs> you bugger. But yeah. I got to give him credit. It is, it is that lifetime of arrows in his quiver. Yeah. Yeah. What, sure. uh, to wrap up, can you think of another story of somebody, uh, whether it's particular or a feeling of people that you've taught and mentored and watched grow that really inspires you to see what you've, what you've passed on to, to new hunters? What's, what's something that, you're like, oh man, that, that's what it's all about for me. Hmm. You know, the first one that comes to mind is, uh, my friend Martine and, um, Martine came to eat wild early days, like early, early days. And, and she said she wanted to, she had a teenage son and she's like, I, I want to hunt to feed my teenage son. And I said, okay, I can help you. Let's, let's get get going on this. And so she gets started on uh, um, the core business. And she, she had a firearms background, which is she, she had a military background. And and um, as it turned out, she ended up getting involved with, with Eat Wild as, and supported our, we just we used to do uh, shooting, um, how to shoot workshops um, back in the day as a, 
uh, yeah, as a beginning step of uh, learning, you know, learn, learning the foundations of how to shoot. And she was, she'd come out and support us on that. And then eventually went on to um, become a firearms instructor and, and supported Eat Well through that as well. So, um, but along the way, she built community with, along with Eat Wild in the Eat Wild community and got out there and started to hunt and ended up building a relationship with a, a, another f- a part of our community, Marshall. And, uh, and they went out and had success and they had success every year. And she built community with, uh, with, with Marshall's community. And she was able to get a couple deer every year for, um, and I think that success has carried on and which is great to see. Um, and she's able to feed her, feed her teenage son. He eventually, now, now he graduated from engineering at UBC a bunch of years later. Um, and she's, she's now teaching core and, and teaching the PAL course and, you know, still supporting me well, but it just like, it was her goal and she met her goal and now she's living a lifestyle of, uh, Hey, way of life, uh, <laughs> way of life of eating wild and, uh, and, uh, sharing her knowledge and, and like, you know, getting people passionate about, you know, learning how to hunt and, and being sustaining themselves with uh, wild food. So yeah, definitely. I, I got a million stories like that though, for sure. Like, oh, that's, that's, that's amazing. That's amazing. Those those are the things that kind of keep you going. That 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 are the 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 paycheck in the in the in the heart bank to go. I I know I'm on the right path. I know I'm doing the right things in life, and and that's awesome to get that feedback. And I know, you know, for as long as I've known you and and following you, I just see all of these various success stories of the first Roosevelt elk and first. I think there was a first bull elk for for somebody you were with this year. And yeah, well, I, I would. And stuff. It's just. Yeah, Jenny, that was a good one. Oh man, that there's a good podcast about that. I think actually, I think it just went out. Actually, it just went out. Uh, um, but Jenny's first elk. But any Jenny's like was my ski 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 partner for for years, a backcountry skier, and uh, she she got turned on to fishing, so she started fishing with me, and then got turned on to hunting, and now she's like my main um, hunting partner, and and uh, just such, it's a really good adventure partner, and like always, like it just knows how to get organized to go on a trip and be ready and, and uh, be supportive through the good times and bad times on these sort of more expedition type adventures that we do. Um, but she's been working hard to get an elk and, and over that last number of years and we were hunting together and uh, we, we were hunting and we're calling and we're calling away and trying to get something to come in. And it's very, everything's quiet. Nothing's like, nothing's like the only elk I'd seen had come in quietly and kind of, gave up on trying to hunt together and said, well, if, if we're just sitting here anyways, hoping something comes in, we might as well split up and call. So we split up about, you know, 500 meters along this bench. And, and I, and I settled back in and call some more in a new spot. And then I hear kaboom, kaboom, kaboom. And I'm like, shit, they were all thwaps, you know, like this different sound of like, yeah. you know, yeah. and I was like, that's Jenny. And she's making sure. She got it and, uh, she did. And it was, it was, it was so, uh, when I, when I got to her, she hadn't walked up on the elk yet. And, uh, first thing I saw was her legs shaking still. Right. And she was, <laughs> and, uh, oh, it was awesome. What it, an amazing it, experience. Yeah, it was cool. So anyway, it was, it was, but yeah, like that's like, there's nothing better than that when people, you, you know, you, you care deeply about and they work so hard for it and it comes together and, yeah, she didn't, then then got to, yeah, then to see Jenny with the, 
whole elk in the rack in her pack raft and floating down the river and yeah like right on beautiful right beautiful on. she's yeah. got a big smile from ear to ear and yeah. so does so do you <laughs> oh yeah that's the best uh, that's the best like so far absolutely and the elk tastes good Dylan, thanks <laughs> oh that's that's one of the best parts for sure Dylan, thanks for joining us on this podcast. Uh, folks, uh, Dylan Ayers, Eat Wild, uh, Instagram, uh, the Eat Wild podcast. You can find that on all the major platforms. doesn't matter where you live, uh, what your background is. The online classes are accessible to everyone, I imagine, regardless of where, where you live. And follow uh eat wild on on instagram because dylan has a tremendous amount of like just little snippets and stories and videos of of it, it just seems like every time you go out and you go hunting you've got a learning moment that you turn around and share with people the last one i saw was about about the buck that you got um you know the shot you marked your spot you took the compass you know and then you were able to uh, like no blood trail found found your buck right away and and uh that's just that's just dylan folks he is just giving this knowledge and and his passion to you in every one of the 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 media forums that that he's on so a uh, great person to follow follow uh on all the platforms uh just love what you do dylan you are a legend in the hunting community and an inspiration and you've always been an inspiration to me and yeah you still are so thanks very much um hopefully people can uh see themselves somewhere in this episode let's hope so <laughs>